Welcome to Ride Over Stride, episode 22. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here with Master Horseman Van Hargis. Hey, Van, how are you doing today? Laura, I'm wonderful. How are you? I am doing well and happy to be back. Absolutely. You know, it's been a while, and um, I, I, I'm really excited about getting started. But I got to admit, Laura, I was a little bit anxious. You know, it's it's been a while, so we've done recordings, and um, I, I want to say thank you to everybody that's encouraged us to go ahead and get these things going again. And and uh, we'll explain uh, maybe at a different time some of the reasons that we didn't get kicked off a little bit sooner. But nonetheless. Can't begin to explain to people how excited we are to be back with them. And, and um, now that the microphone's turned on, I'm kind of getting over the anxiety. Let's ready to rock and roll. Before we hit record today, you were telling me a little bit of story about what you wanted to talk about today. So why don't you share that with the listeners? Absolutely. Well, Laura, you know, I guess it was, uh, well, it was a good while back. I'm not going to put a date on it, but it was a good while back. We had a young fellow that really wanted to compete in these cult starting uh, events. And, you know, there, there's these things all over the country now. You know, ever since we did the Road to the Horse in 2005, 2006, uh, and Road to the Horse has grown now to be such a huge event, you know, nationwide. And it's very popular worldwide. Uh, there's more and more young horsemen that are really wanting to get involved with it and try to compete. And obviously, they're not going to get invitations to Road to the Horse, or some that will, but most won't. Nonetheless, there's still plenty of opportunity for them to go compete at some of these local type things at the various horse expos and whatever. Well, this young fellow decided that he wanted to come down and, and be a part of uh, my program for, or for actually for a whole month. And uh, his goal was that he wanted to learn to be a better cult starter. He wanted to learn a lot more of the ins and outs of how to read a horse and how to get one started in her saddle safely. And at the same time, how to be not just a better cult starter for his clients, but how to be a little bit more competitive when he went on the road and, and try to compete at these cult challenges. Well, he came to us out of Colorado and and uh, the very first day he arrived, I couldn't get over how polite the young man was, just incredibly eager and anxious to get going with the program. And uh, I, I have to say, I kind of blew his mind because I kind of listened very carefully as to what his goals were, what he wanted to try to achieve. Listen to him, tell me about how ambitious he was to be a better cult starter guy. And, and I looked at him and said, well, you know, I'm really glad that you showed up and I'm honored that you, just, you chose my program to come and be a part of. But here's the deal. I'm not going to let you touch a colt for the first three to four days, maybe even as long as a week that you're here. So for this first week, you're going to do nothing but ride the best horses that I've got on the place. You're going to ride the show horses. You're going to ride my ranch gilding. You're going to ride the best trained horses that we've got, but you're not going to touch a colt. And he, you should have seen the dumbfounded look on his face, Laura. He was like, well, well wait a minute. I, you know, I, I came here and spent this money and time and energy to, to, to come here to learn about cult starting. Why are we going to be riding these experienced horses? Don't they already know everything that you want them to know? And why would you want me to ride those colts? And I said, just trust me, but I want you to ride these more experienced horses. Well, 
the very next day we get started and I had him saddle one of the better horses and he's out there kind of riding around in the arena and, and we kind of discuss a few things. And really what I'm doing, I'm really just kind of watching and observing. What does he know? You know, what buttons are he, is he pushing on this horse? How can he get the horse to pick up the proper leads? Is, what is he doing with his hands and his body and his posture when he asks the horse to stop? And what's he doing with his legs and his hands and his posture when he asks the horse to turn? In other words, I'm just quietly observing all of this stuff. And what he doesn't realize, I'm learning everything that he doesn't know. And that's the sad part so many times, and, and me included. And anytime I get kind of outside my comfort zone, uh, and especially outside of my comfort zone, but in somebody else's comfort zone, I'm sure they look at me shaking their head thinking, wow, he doesn't even know what he doesn't know. And that's what I observed with this young fella. He had you know, lots of desire and, and great goals, but unfortunately, he didn't even know what he didn't know. Well, isn't that, uh, I mean, that's a truth for all of us in sort of every area of the of life, that the areas where we get into trouble are when we don't know what we don't know. And I think it's great that he took the time and spent the money and all of that to come and spend that time with someone who knows more than he does, who can point those things out to him. Absolutely. And so, you know, my hat's off to him. But yet I also, my biggest admiration for him was to, for him to have to admit after riding these horses, like, oh my gosh, I don't know anything. You know, he was a great survivor. I mean, you could put him on a horse and he'd get the job done. He'd ride around and do all kinds of cool stuff. But you could also tell that he was kind of fumbling his way through it. And then later in a discussion, I said, well, what do you think about Vanna? She's a new mare that I've got that's just out of this world, well-trained, and 2012 Ranch Horse Versatility Horse of the Year. I mean, she's just a really, really nice mare. She has all these really cool buttons, and I was watching Freddie trying to figure those buttons out. And then went over there later, and I said, so what, what do you think? I said, how, how, how are you two getting along? Man, Mr. Hargis, I've never ridden a horse this good. She's just, I mean, I can just almost think it, and she does it. I mean, I just put a leg on it, she moves away, or, or I just barely move my hands, and she's already ready to respond. And I says, good. And I said, well, go ahead and get off of her. And he gets off the horse. And I said, tell you what, Freddie, I've got another location up in northeast Texas. So uh, I want you to meet me there in about three days. And I just rode my horse off and kind of looked back over my shoulder. And he had this dumbfounded look on his face. And I went ahead and unsaddled my horse and looked out there in the arena. And he's still standing there in the middle of the arena. And I say to him again, I said, Freddie, did you not hear me? I said, dude, I've got another location up in northeast Texas. I want to meet you there in about three days. You need to get your horse unsaddled, get your things together, and start heading that direction. And again, I go continue to unsaddle my horse and get ready to put the horse away. And a little while later, I can feel this energy coming in behind me. And he comes up and he says, Mr. Hargis, I, I know this is leading to something. I, but honestly, I don't have a clue where you're going with this. I said, well, Freddie, didn't you come to me to, to want to learn to start colts? Well, yes, sir. Okay. I asked you to, to meet me at our facility in Northeast Texas. I said, yes, sir. Well, do you know where that place is? Well, no, sir. But yet you were quite willing to head that direction. But my question is, how do you know where you're going? You've never been there. And I'm not, there's no doubt in my mind that you could eventually figure it out. You could go up to Northeast Texas and drive around until you found the right city and then drive around until you found the right county road and eventually stumble across my place. But my goodness, I just wonder how long that would take you, how inefficient that would be and how frustrated you would be along the way and trying to discover that on your own. 
and how many other people you might have to ask and how many of those people would say, you know what, I've heard of the guy, but I don't know where he lives. I don't know where his property is. Oh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, and so you might stumble across the right person and give you perfect directions to my, my location. But the reality is that journey would be extremely frustrating for you. I said, but wouldn't it be a lot easier if I gave you very specific directions or better yet, wouldn't it be easier if I took you there? said, well, yes, sir. I said, well, that's why, number one, I'm glad that you're here because obviously you're here. But I also need you to realize that you're about to start on a journey of starting these cults and you have absolutely no idea where you're leading them. Mm -hmm. You see, because how can you start a cult if you've never ridden a really, really well-trained horse? How can you start a cult if you have absolutely no idea where this horse is going? Now, some people's standards, though, this is a sad part, Lars. Some people's standards are, well, I just want to take him to that cult starting dude to get him where he gets all the buck out of him. And here's the problem from a performance trainer standpoint. Yes, we could send that to what I might call the monkey on the border collie, some kid that's not afraid of getting bucked off, and he might wrestle around and stumble across how to get this cult saddled up and rode for the first time or second time, third time, or the magic number, 30 days. And then... He's going to send the horse to some performance guy or somebody else to quote unquote finish him. The problem is most of the time if these horses aren't started correctly, the performance guy or the next client in line to get the horse after he gets home is going to spend the rest of that horse's life retraining him, Mm -hmm. fixing all the problems that got started because he got started incorrectly. And so I think I hear you saying, and I may have heard you say this before, but begin the way you mean to continue. Absolutely. You know, I, I couldn't agree with you more. You've got to start with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. Know kind of where you're going. Now, granted, you know, I'm going to tell this story really quick. Several years ago, I did an Oklahoma City State Fair, and it was a 10-day fair, and I started nine cults in 10 days. And in between the cults, I did various other horsemanship presentations. But bottom lines, we started nine cults in 10 days. There was a young man that was there that was very intent on learning everything that I was going to teach him in regard to cult starting. And he watched me for 10 straight days and watched me start all nine of those cults. At the 10th day, he came over to my area afterwards at one of the stalls, and he says, Mr. Hargis, I'm you know really glad that you had a chance to, to watch you these, these last several days. And um, and I said, well, it's kind of funny. I'm really glad you watched too, but you've got kind of confused look on your face. What's, what's the story? He said, well, you know, you started all nine of these cults, but you never did the same thing twice. I just looked at him and grinned really big and said, never had the same horse twice. Mm-hmm. But the reality was is that we all started the same place. The horses were barely halter broke when they came into that program. And each day we got the horses working in the round pen Bottom line, they were saddled and rode and riding around at the end of the program, but the process in between was different for every horse. So, for example, if I was to ask that young man again, meet me at my place in Sulphur Springs, Texas, and give him the specifics on Sulphur Springs, Texas, now he can narrow down to get get to Sulphur Springs. I really don't care how he gets there. He's got three days to get there. He can go through Dallas or he can go through Longview. He can go a whole different way than what I might go as long as he ends kind of in the same location. In other words, nobody's process is going to be the exact same. In other words, nobody's path to get there might be the exact same. You mean there's so, not 
a single way to do it. <laughs> Man, wouldn't it wouldn't that be nice if if horses were that binary that we could just say if this then that, you know, it's either this or that. It would be so great if there were, but you know, one of the things you've heard me say in previous episodes it's that the only absolute is there are no absolutes. Mm-hmm. You know, so many times when we're asked an, answering questions in regard to horses or horsemanship, the answer usually starts with, well, it depends. And so when someone asks... An answer that every lawyer loves. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, it depends. Because the reality is we can't always have an absolute answer, yes or no, to these questions. There's not just one way of doing things, and especially when there's other living, breeding creatures involved. Yeah. And I think... It's an interesting point because I think a lot of people who maybe aren't, you're a professional horseman. It's something you've been doing your whole life. But a lot of us, people like me, come into it maybe as children, we rode and then we come back to it later in life and we're looking for the secret, the answer. I've got this problem with my horse or this issue with my horse and what is the secret to fixing that? so that I don't ever have to deal with it again. And I think I hear you saying there's no secret. There, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, wish there was. But sadly, isn't that, that's the part that really bugs me about our industry in a way. And I'm going to say this with all due respect to other professionals, but so many people have made a living in this industry for having the secret. Mm-hmm. You know, well, if that's not worked, then try this magic bit. The method, the yes. right way to do it. Exactly. And and the reality is there is no the way. There is no the tool. There is no – there are no magic tricks. Uh, you know, another good friend of mine several years ago, Josh Lyons and I were doing several different horsemanship expos together. We just Not that we planned it that way. We just happened to be at the same ones. And we always visited. Every time we went somewhere, we visited. And I love what Josh said one time. As he was getting ready to go into a cult starting thing, he didn't have a lot of tools. He walked in there with a halter, a lariat rope, and a saddle. And somebody in the audience asked him the question. He says, you know, yeah, these are the tools, but really the most important thing you can walk in here with is just good common sense. Mm-hmm. And that's so true is that it, you have to know horses. You have to know horsemanship. And that is a journey. And as I will attest, that's a never-ending journey. It's one of those situations that the more you learn, the more you realize there's, there's more to learn. You're never going to learn at all. So when the first guy walks up to you and says, well, I figured it out, well, walk away from that guy as quickly as you can. Or the first guy that says, you know what, forget all the other stuff. This thing right here will get this horse's head down or this horse, will, this will, this bit right here will make him behave. Those guys, they're, I hate to say, but they're witch doctors. They're, they're just selling a potion. And we humans are so gullible for that because of the simple matter that we, like you said, we all want a simplified method. We all want a simplified tool. We all want to take that magic pill. So sadly, there's people, even in the horse industry, that will take full advantage of that. But the reality is, and I want people to realize this, really from the depths of my heart, just realize there's absolutely no secret way of getting anything done with a horse other than just understanding the horse. Understanding the horse, and I would venture to say understanding yourself, your own capabilities, your own weaknesses, the things that you bring into the arena along with the horse that's in there. 
Well, you know, you couldn't have said that any better, Laura. You know, you heard me preach a lot whenever whenever I was competing many years ago, when I was competing a lot and and really started competing very heavily when Ranch Horse Versatility first came around. It was the first real event that was just really my cup of tea. It was the thing that I enjoyed the most because it allowed me to show my horses off in several different things. One horse had to do several different jobs, and I loved that. It was it, it reminded me a lot of my ranch upbringing and and my upbringing as being very very poor. You know, we, we couldn't afford several specialty horses. So what two or three horses that I had had to do everything and it had to do everything very, very well. But when I was competing, I was competing against oftentimes horses a lot older than the ones that I was training and, and competing on and different magazines and different people would ask, you know, well, man, what is your, what is your, here we go again. What's your secret? And really, there, was, there wasn't a secret. The, the fact was is that I focused on nothing more than what my little three-year-olds knew, which was the basics. Mm-hmm. I wanted to focus on the basics and do the basics the best we possibly could. And if there was a secret, and here it is, it was understanding my horse's strengths and weaknesses. And then, like you said, looking at myself and being very, very honest and having to answer the questions, Van, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And I had to admit those because my livelihood depended on it. My livelihood depended on the success of the horses that I was training for clients. So obviously, the more successful I was with my horses, the more successful my business was going to be. So my success depended on me looking in the mirror and being very honest with myself. A fan, what are your strengths and weaknesses? And once I could determine those, and then I could marry those with the relationship of the horse's strengths and weaknesses, then we had the formula, if there's such a thing, to go to the arena and be more successful. So you're right. We, we have to focus on those things. We have to know that what our strengths and weaknesses are of our horse and understand them, but also ourself and understand ourself and then put those two things together. I, I'm listening to you talk about that, and I'm thinking about all the applications in, to life in general. But I want to get back to the topic at hand or the 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 meaning that you ex- described to me of the story you told about the young man and, and why you used that analogy with him of, okay, I want you to meet me up northeast, uh, the importance of knowing where you're going can you talk about that a little bit? Because again, you know, I have my own podcast where I talk mostly to women about productivity and things like that. But the things you're talking about here are so relevant there to, to us as just human beings. But let's bring it back for a minute to horsemanship and the, the key things about being right there in that moment with that horse, instead of trying to work a, a method that you've heard somewhere, but dealing with the horse that's in front of you and the human being that you are at that moment. Well, that's a good point, Laura, too. Now, the thing I want to emphasize is why I made the young man ride the best horses on the place mm-hmm. is because I wanted him to experience the success, I guess you could say. I wanted him to know what a good horse was, what a good horse felt like, what a good horse did. Now, obviously, if you could watch the young fellow ride, he had no idea how to go from unbroken to there. But like we said a little while ago, see, there's no one way to get there. But at least he had a, a destination in sight. Right. In other words, how would you like it if somebody asked you a really simple question and said, what's one plus two? 
but you had no idea what a three was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you could be guessing forever and nobody around you could ever give you any kind of confirmation or affirmation that three is the correct answer because nobody knows the answer. So you, you have to know that in order for you to even ask the question of a horse, you have to know what the answer is. Mm. And then you can gradually start putting things together. Now go back to that same analogy. Okay, now that you know what the answer is, now you can arrange the numbers in front of the equal sign until they come to whatever that answer is going to be. So that's what I wanted Freddie to realize is, is that before you can start a cult, you've got to have at least some sort of idea, some sort of standard to shoot for. And once you know that, then you can start making that progress toward that. And I always want to emphasize to people, too, again, and we mentioned a little earlier, that there is no real process. There's, there's, uh, there's a lot of tried and true ways, but there's also a lot of tried and true ways with a lot of little adjustments here and there, which is, you know, for lack of a better word, that's my technique. I mean, I wish I could say, oh, I learned this strictly from that horse person or strictly from this horse person. But the reality is it was learning from a variety of different people and then putting a lot of those different things together to create the better, safer drive, if you will, from my starting point to my destination. And so, again, it comes back to being honest with yourself and being really aware of where you are right now, as well as where you want to go. Right. So being right there in that moment. You betcha. And that's another thing I really want to emphasize too. You know, uh, ever since we started Ride Ever Stride, I look back at how we came up with that. And I don't know if you remember, Lar, but you asked me the question one day. I said, well, Van, if you want to do this podcasting, you had to come up with a really cool title. And I said, I mean, I, I don't know, Laura. I, I, you know, I've, I've been known to be some, you know, somewhat creative, and I've also been known to be kind of dull with things. So uh, I was riding a horse that day in the arena, and I was giving some lessons. And uh, I don't know if you remember or not, but I was going through all this stuff, and all of a sudden I just stopped what I was doing, and I called you mm-hmm. at your office. And I said, I got it. Here's the title. And okay, what what is it? And I, you know, you always laughed at me doing stupid stuff like that. But I, in the middle of your, I'm sure you were a very busy day, and I interrupted your busy day to say, "Got it." Um, but anyway, we threw the title out there and it says, "It's Ride Ever Stride," and you loved it. Yeah. And since then, I've fallen more in love with it. And the reason I've fallen more in love with it is because it makes me realize how important it is to be in the moment. In other words, we have to have a starting place. We all do. You know, that starting place could just be where we are, and the starting could be nothing more than just getting up off the couch. And then that's the start, right? And then we also have to know where we're going. And that's that can be very vague sometimes. You know, it doesn't really have to be really specific. We're just going to start the journey. But doesn't it really help, though, if we've got something specific? And in the real world, sometimes we call that a goal. So we have a goal in mind. And then the the process of getting from the starting point to the goal is the journey. Mm-hmm. And the reality is the journey has all sorts of obstacles along the way. I've never talked to a very successful person. I don't care if it's in the horse industry, if it's the greatest cult starter in the world, if there's such a thing, or the, the world champion reigning competitor, whoever it is. I've never talked to anybody that ever had just an absolute clear path with no obstacles in their journey. Some will tell you, you know, they might not even remember the obstacles because they never focused on them. Mm-hmm. But they will go back if you really kind of 
you know, hint around, they'll start telling you stories, man. I remember having to sleep in the back of my truck, man. I was so broke, but I, you know, I kept riding horses. I remember, you know, having to borrow saddles because I couldn't afford saddles, but you know, we finally, we kept working at it and I, I bought a saddle. We kept getting there or I remember I got bucked off by such and such horse or this horse. In other words, when they really get to thinking about it, they can really start identifying a few obstacles along the way that could have, and probably did in some shape, form or fashion, alter their path toward what they might view as success. But the reality is, is that that path may change in the altar, but yet they kept their eye on the goal. Hmm. Now, here's the strangest thing about horsemanship. And you know me, I like to throw horsemanship and humanship together. There is no destination. There's no final destination. It's just a journey. Hmm. Now, granted, we want to achieve is betterment a word? You know, we want to achieve yeah. betterment. We want to achieve, you know, to do it better. Once we've experienced, we think, you know, that was really cool. I think I can do better, which makes me laugh. You know, my mom and I had a conversation not too long ago. My mom loves to reminisce about my old high school football days and my old college football days. And, you know, she'll tell stories about, oh, you did such and such in this game and that, that game. But she'll also laugh because I was never satisfied. You know, I'm, I might have a 200-yard game rushing, you know, rushing 200 yards in a game. And I might tell her, but you know what? That one dude, he tackled me all by himself. And she goes, why are you complaining? You, you had 200 yards, you know, or, you know, that's a, that's a great game, but it could have been better. You see, in other words, we all have that those of us who really strive to do our best, I didn't set that day out to do a 200-yard game. I just wanted to do the best game that I possibly could. And then after the fact, I thought, you know what? Maybe next game I can get 201 yards or maybe next game I won't let that one individual guy tackle me. So in other words, it's the journey. It's always raising the bar. Once we've had one experience, we want to increase and see if we can't do a little bit better. And that's what I always uh, get people to shoot for, is that not that we can't be satisfied with that effort at that point in time, which reminds me of another story about you, Miss Laura McClellan. Do you remember when we were working on you, working your way up from starting to eventually getting to loping around the arena? Yeah. And I remember, folks, I'm going to have to tell a little story about Laura here. She gave me a butt chewing one day. Miss Type A personality. Who, me? As, yeah. <laughs> as I'm trying to coach you through things and you would do something that I would think would just be remarkable. I mean, just really, really good for what you were doing at the moment. And I would scream out at you, Laura, that was great. That was perfect. Good job. And you, with your goal in mind to keep working harder and get a little bit better every ride. And finally, one day you turn around and look at me, would you just quit that? I think you're just, you're just trying to say that. That's not perfect, and I know it. And I love the expression on your face when I looked at you in my big old dumb cowboy look and said, it's perfect for now. You know, and that was such a, a good lesson for me to learn. It's something, because you're right, I'm, I'm always one kind of with my eye down the road toward an, an objective I'm trying to work toward and wanting to be better and do better. And I think a lot of, of us are like that. And I know you're like that in many ways. But that was a start for me of learning to take a moment and celebrate the small successes along the way that maybe I'm not where I want to be. You know, I'm, I haven't competed in a horse show yet or something, but I rode that circle pretty well. 
and let's acknowledge that and uh, celebrate that a little bit and then move forward from there. Exactly. And to me, that's what Ride Every Stride is about. It's every moment along the way, every stride along the way, you evaluate that stride. And I'm not talking about evaluate it anally, you know, and just getting so wrapped up in, you know, everything. But at the same time, every step you take is a success, or at least it can be. And not that it's perfect, but it could be improved upon or you it could be perfect for now. You know, let's grade ourselves right now. That to me is the the, the, the true message between ride over stride is being present, yeah. being right now, being the moment. And I can't think of a better way to learn that than with that constant reminder of the horse. Because you see, they don't worry about yesterday. They don't compare themselves to other animals. They don't compare themselves to their herd mate or or even yesterday's performance. It's gone. That's forever past. They don't worry about that. And they also don't worry about, gee, I wonder if I'm going to get a gold medal at the Olympics this year. You know, they don't worry about that. They're only concerned about surviving the moment. And when they survive this moment, they're blessed with another and another and another. And that's the same way we are. Now, us humans, being a little bit more advanced hopefully intellectually, then, (laughs) but we do, we do have a vision for tomorrow. And I tell everybody all the time, it's great to set those goals for yourself. It's great to set those goals that you think might be the answer to success in somewhere or the other. That's how you're going to grade yourself and reaching your goal. But my question is, what's going to happen when you get to that goal? It's, there's going to be another one and another one. And, you know, and I, I think of people you know, in our cycle of life, you know, we start off just wanting to get old enough to go to first grade. And then, we, <laughs> then we're going to get through first grade and eventually work our way all through grade school into college and so on and so forth. And then we go get a job or whatever the case may be. And then we work really hard for retirement. And then we say, well, what are you going to do when you retire? And then from then on, it's just another journey. In other words, it's always a journey. There's always another goal. But we have to stay present in mind. It's great to set those goals. But here's the key is that don't get attached to the journey. The journey is ever-changing. The journey is the most important thing. But if we get so attached with a rigid journey, and that's the thing I want to get across to folks. And here's another analogy. You know, like, like for example, if I was to leave my house and I was going to say, you know what, I've got to run a few errands. And one of those errands today includes me swinging by my favorite redneck place, and that's Walmart. Let's go to Walmart today. Okay, well, I go to Walmart and uh, or on my way to Walmart, and I realize, oops, there's a tree across the road. Does that mean that Walmart doesn't exist? Does that mean my goal it wasn't a good goal? No, it just means that I might have to take a different route to get there or I may have to take a different time to get there. But either way, the goal is still there and we're going to get there one way or the other. If that's a good goal and we're de- determined enough, we can still get to that goal. We can still get to Walmart. We may have to take a different route, but we can still get there. And that to me is part of being in the moment is that rather than giving up on our goal or maybe belittling ourselves because we picked a bad goal or we or getting angry at ourselves because we picked a goal and, oh, just my luck, I, I would pick a day that, you know, the tree would call a fall across the road. Don't worry about those things. You can't control those things. You can only control your thought in those things. And that's what I want folks to realize about our title of our particular show, Ride Over Stride. It's about being present and as you are present and as you are in the now, think of things that are productive 
to keep you on that goal. Whenever you start beating yourself up for taking the wrong route or picking the wrong goal or whatever it is, just ask yourself that question. Is that a productive thought? Is that going to help you get to where you're going? And the answer is no, it's not. I mean, to me, ride every stride is about intentionality, being intentional about how you ride, being intentional about what you do with your horse, being intentional about how you live your life instead of just sort of taking whatever comes at you and kind of ambling around aimlessly, whether, again, on horseback or in life in general, ride every stride means be right there right now, riding the stride that's there, not the one you wish that was there or the one you imagined was going to be there, but dealing with what's in front of you right then, right now, and making those adjustments that you talk about to get from here, you know, from A to B or wherever it is that you want to go, but having intentionality about it instead of just feeling like stuff is happening to you. Yes, exactly. And, and focusing on those little moments of perfection, like I would yell at you, <laughs> oh, that was great. That was perfect. That step was perfect. Okay, let's take another step. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that step was perfect. Okay, let's do another step. And before you know it, it reminds me of that old, you know, you've heard that old saying before, you know, you know how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Yeah. So you get that bite done, you take another bite. And before you know it, your goal is achieved. And that's what I want folks to realize and, and to focus on. And again, I, what I love so much about horses and, um, you know, for quite some time I've been working on a book and one of these days, I promise I'll get it out there, but it's weird because things just keep evolving and I keep wanting to change it, you know, to keep wanting to make the book better because things, I keep learning more things. But the reality is the, the title of the book is called The Horse is My Teacher. You know, Laura, I've been so lucky to have had some absolutely wonderful people in my life that I've learned tremendous things from. Uh, some folks I learned a lot of things to do and some folks I learned a lot of things not to do. And some folks I didn't even intend to learn things from, but I just learned lots of really cool things from them and from that exp those experiences. But in my hard-headed world, what kind of taught me the most was having those people planted those seeds or planting those seeds in my mind along the way. And then my experiences with the horses, creating those aha moments. Mm. And the reason the horse was so good about creating aha moments is because one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in my life was being in the moment, being in the now, being appreciative of, of what's happening right at this moment. And I can't think of a better teacher in my experience than working with an animal that could give a flying flip about yesterday and that has no clue about what's going on tomorrow. And it's just a constant reminder that what really matters is right now. You know, I think that's a great lesson for all of us to learn. And obviously, we're going to be talking more in future episodes about the, the practical aspects of that. But I know you really wanted to spend a little time in this episode laying some groundwork to help listeners understand that it's about more than what bit you use or, you know, what saddle you're using or what method you're using or even what horse you're riding. It starts with that awareness and that uh, focus and that uh, intentionality and that willingness to be honest with yourself right there in the, the moment 
with whatever you're doing as you're working toward those goals of whether it's competing or just a a fun trail ride with your friends or whatever you want to do with your horses, it's going to be more successful, more satisfying if you've laid that foundation of being present, being aware, being purposeful, and uh, being open to experience the journey as it is and not just how you imagined it in your mind. You know, and that's, you're exactly right, Laura. I, you know, kind of in a little sentence, you know, just having a purpose, having a direction and having a plan. And then at the same time, stay, stay in the moment. And, you know, and you mentioned your podcast earlier. I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to give you a little, little plug here. You know, you, you have a wonderful, I've listened to it. I'm, I'm not a woman, but I've still listened to it. I, men are allowed to listen. It's okay. Because <laughs> okay. I love, number one, I love the title. You know, I was raised by a single mom, uh, you know, that worked her tail off. And, and uh, so I've, you know, got a keen amount of respect for independent women and very hardworking, determined women. And, you know, I love my mom to death. I I love uh, success stories such as yours. I mean, these are great things. And as a result of that, when every time I hear of a program, you know, that's geared toward the empowerment of women, like yours, for example, I I love to listen to those. I like to learn stuff from those. So, you know, Laura's podcast, folks, you're listening, is called A Productive Woman. And it's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, So if you guys get a chance to listen to that, because to me, some of the things that you communicate Kate, on your podcast is very, very applicable to what we talk about in, in my world. You know, granted, you know, in the horse world, we're going to talk a lot about training horses and everything else. But the reality is to become a better horseman and to become a better horse trainer for those of you who really aspire to be a professional, it's really nothing more than using tools that other folks use on a daily basis of being successful. And the little twist that I put on it is, is that I think the horse kind of reciprocates that back to us. It kind of reflects that back to us. So it gives me an opportunity to combine those two things, if you will, the horsemanship or the humanship. But, uh, you know, I love your program and I just, I, I wish you just continued success with that. And again, productive woman, I think that's an awesome, number one, the title's really cool, isn't it? Because I can't think of any multitasking, red-blooded American woman out there. <laughs> That that's not going to get their attention when when they read the title, you know, Productive Woman. So, uh, thanks, Van. I, I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, and I have you, I, you know, and pardon me if I've not listened to the. Have you ever told on your program about your journey, where you kind of started? And well, just recently, and so you you may not have heard it. We recently published episode one hundred of the Productive Woman, and for that kind of milestone episode, I actually had a guest host who interviewed me on my own show. And she, uh, you know, it was kind of a no holds barred. I didn't put any limits on her. And so she asked me a lot of questions about my background and where I came from and why I do the show and that sort of thing. So that one's a lot of fun. I've had some fun feedback from listeners who who liked hearing about me. I'm not one to spend a lot of time talking about myself. I just kind of want to live life. But uh, I guess some of the listeners found it interesting to hear where I came from and how I got to where I am now. So that's, well, that's, that's why, and again, I was listening to one of our uh, episodes uh, just recently and, and, uh, and I, and again, I couldn't help but because in that particular episode, we were talking about your horsemanship journey with me one, one particular summer and, and keep in mind that ever since I learned your story and about where you came from and how, you know, your, your childhood and everything, and then how you, well, just to sum it up really 
quickly now, ladies and gentlemen, Laura is a very or you know very successful attorney. I mean, so she went from you might some might call it the rags to riches story, and there are a lot of unbelievable obstacles in the middle. And if you knew those obstacles that are in the middle, it makes you wonder why or how a woman who has achieved so much would still have. I can't in her vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely did have that. It's, it's been an interesting um, journey even. And, and Natalie, the, the guest host who interviewed me, she gave me an exercise once just a few months ago because I was talking about something I wanted to do that I was afraid of. You know, I was really scared to do it. And she's, and she said, but look at all these other things that you've told me about that you did and you were scared. Make a list of everything you've done scared, and that will motivate you to do the next thing that you're scared to do. And it was a real eye-opener for me. And it's something I, you know, if if there's a listener who is, who, like me, loves horses but is terrified and maybe doesn't like admitting that they're, that she or or even he is terrified and not sure you can do it, Remind yourself of the things you've done scared and been successful at and take that with you into the arena when you go face down that horse that, you know, that you're nervous about or the, the horse show that you want to compete in but that you're afraid of. Uh, people are able to do a lot more than they give themselves credit for in most cases. And right. one of the things I'm very grateful for was that summer and you helped me kind of face that fear and get past it. And I still remember physically in my body what it felt like the first time that summer that I loped on your horse scooter. What a triumph that was for me, having overcome that fear. And I know I'm not the only one who feels that way. There are lots of us, and I've talked to some of them, who, are, who love horses and want to ride, want to eat, whether it's competitively or just for fun. But still, there's the fear of getting hurt, the fear of failing, the fear of looking stupid, all those things. You know, you helped me face that and get past it. And it was such an empowering time for me, not just in riding a horse, but just in life in general, because that's one of the things on my list that I created as my homework from Natalie of the things that I've done scared. That was one of them. And it's something I can look back to when I'm getting ready to take on another challenge that scares me. I can look back and say, you know what, I've done this, I've been in this place before, I've felt this way before, and I was, I pushed through it with help and encouragement from other people, and I conquered it for that moment. And you've talked in this episode about the journey. You don't ever arrive. You really, right. you really don't ever arrive, whether it's in your horsemanship or your humanship. You never arrive. You just keep taking the next step and the next step and the step after that. But... Anyway, I totally agree with that, man. I, and that's th honestly, that's really what I want the message to ride every stride to be, uh, you know, and I'm going to go back, uh, regress it a little bit and talk about, you know, when that young man came out of Colorado, um, it, the most rewarding thing for me after just a month, we only had a month to work with him, but we worked very intently. There was a lot of time off. He got to hang out with my, my assistant quite a bit, but every day we worked very diligently on him uh, achieving his goal of being a better cult starter. But it was the, the coolest thing was to watch him learn how to 
chip away at some of those things. So he was very afraid, too, to subject himself, I guess you could say, to the judgment of somebody else. And let's face it, uh, that's only part of it. But when you're starting cults, it can be, if not done properly, and sometimes even if it is done properly, it can still be very, very dangerous because you're working with a very large animal in several potentially unpredictable moments. And of course, a great horseman, we spend a lot of our time trying to make every moment as predictable as possible, just for our safety and for the confidence of the horse, which is a great lesson for all of us, you know, throughout life. We, we want to take steps. We want to go outside our comfort zone, but as close to predictable as you can make it, this, the more confident you will feel. And we'll talk about that in future episodes. But the, the reward in that, not just for me, as an instructor to watch somebody uh, achieve those things. But the reward for that person is to learn to reward themselves along the way and at the end of the day think, wow, that was really, really good. And then the, mo- the coolest thing is when you see them raise the bar for themselves. Yeah. And that's really exciting. And uh, and again, I, I just hope that as we continue Ride Every Stride, I just I hope that people get that message more so than anything. Is just is that be present, be in the now, uh, be very willing to you know work hard, but at the same time reward yourself along the way, and don't get discouraged when you realize, and everyone will somewhere along the line, is that there's truly not a destination. It's just about the journey. And there's not just one journey. One formula that worked for one person may not work for the other. One formula that worked for the first eight horses might not work for the ninth. And so so just remember what I told that young man in Oklahoma. Well, I didn't have the same horse twice. Yeah. You know, it's it. The process is different sometimes. Even even if it's done by the same trainer, uh, sometimes the process is different. And we really want to, want to keep that in mind for folks: is just enjoy the journey, enjoy the journey, and kind of be creative along the way and enjoy it. Well, and uh, I'm excited to see where this journey goes as far as this podcast. And I'm really glad for the listeners who are going to come along for the ride with us. Um, And we will be talking. There's so much more I know that you want to say. And we're going to be talking about a lot of this in more detail. And obviously some of the practical aspects of horse riding, horse training, horsemanship in general in future episodes. And listeners can contribute to that by uh, writing and and letting you know what their questions are, what the, giving you some feedback, so we know kind of where to direct future episodes. And so there are various ways that people can get in touch with you. I know you're on Facebook. Van Hargis Horsemanship is there, and uh, people can post there any questions they have. If you have questions or comments uh, about this episode or any other or suggestions about future episodes, you can email info at vanhargis.com and share that there. Uh, there's also, I believe, a comment section f- below the show notes for this episode, which you will find uh, on the podcast tab at the website, which is at vanhargis.com. So there's lots of ways to connect with Van to give feedback on the show um, and help shape what the show's going to look like in the future. The other thing that if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, I know we would love it if you help spread the word. So tell a friend. If you've got someone you know that uh, loves horses, would enjoy this show, tell them how to find it, how to subscribe to it. 
and help us spread the word also by leaving a review on iTunes. The The show is there, and uh, you can leave a, a rating and a review and just a sentence or two about what you liked about the show. That helps it rank a little higher in the iTunes listings, which helps other people find it and become part of the conversation here. And before we wrap up, I don't think we have specific events to talk about uh, in, in future. We'll have, uh, you know, we'll try to keep you posted. But the best way to find out where Van is going to be, if you'd like to see him in person, is to check the calendar on the website. Uh, and that's at vanhargis.com. And they, you know, be posting various events that he's going to be appearing at, things like that. Van, you mentioned also, uh, I know on the website, you have an online store and that you've got finally your new saddle line is coming out. Absolutely. Or I'm sorry, at the end of August, the first part of September, um, we're going to have all of our uh, products displayed on our website. Um, we've, we've been working at this for quite some time, and and uh, it's just finally coming to fruition. We've gotten together with Rainsman, uh, who is a manufacturer of my bits, my saddles, my headstalls, and reins, virtually almost everything that I use. And um, all of those things are going to be available on the website. I'm so excited about having those out there again. They're already in retailers uh, now, but we're going to have them available on our website for the first time in years. So I'm really excited about that, Lauren. Um, looking forward to having folks visit us there. I think people are going to be excited too about how we're presenting them. There's going to be an opportunity for you to learn about every product that's on there as well. It's not just here's what it is. There's going to be little videos on there of, of my take on the on the items, why we design them the way we design them, and my suggestions on those items. So we're very excited about that. And that's coming up really at the very end of this month. Yeah. So be sure and visit the store. They're on the website at vanhargis.com. And uh, one other thing, if you're interested in working with Van, he does do clinics and various things, and you can bring him to your community to work with you and a small group of your friends uh, or any number of ways that you can work with him personally in your horsemanship journey. Just email info at vanhargis.com and let him know you're interested and and someone will be in touch to give you the details on how you can uh, work with Van directly. And finally, before I turn it over to see what else Van has to say, I, I would say be sure and listen next week. There have been a lot of questions in the past months about uh, Van's accident. If you've listened to uh, the previous episodes, you know that there was uh, Van had an interesting horsemanship accident after many, many years with no injuries and a lot of questions about how his recovery has gone, both physically and also where he is in his horsemanship experience now. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and what Van's up to these days in the next episode. So you won't want to miss that. Anything else you want to say before we let folks go, Van? Well, Laura, other than just, you know, again, thank you to everybody. I just can't begin to express my appreciation and gratitude to, for so many people uh, writing to us and, and uh, encouraging me to get back to recording the podcast. It's It really makes you feel good when people like what you're communicating to them and um, are asking you to, to continue to do so. And so as a result, I'm so incredibly grateful that uh, that we're, we're able to do that, and thank you, folks, for writing in to us. Uh, and, and again, part of what's going to make the show more successful as we go is for those people to leave us those reviews and to continue to communicate to us. I know personally I love the encouragement, and I like 
to, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm addicted to making people happy, Laura. And, and part of that is, is that if I know what people want us to communicate about, then we'll do our dead level best to bring them these specific titles and topics that they want to discuss. So I really want to encourage them to participate by writing those reviews and getting in contact with us and, and keep those encouraging words coming because you just don't know what it means to me to have that. We really really want to express my appreciation for that. And, um, and Laura, man, it was just phenomenal working with you again today. It's been, it's been a while, hasn't it? We've talked very little, you know, we've both had very, very busy lives over the last year. We've been very, very busy. So it's really great to be able to communicate with you again and, and to get back behind our respective microphones and, and get back to bringing uh, these podcasts to people. So thank you, Laura, for, uh, for continuing this journey with me. My pleasure. Uh, it, 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 re- it really means a lot for us to be able to bring this to people and uh, really means a lot. To, to bring it to people with, with you along the way because you've been a very important part of this entire journey. I, w- I want to kind of end by just saying this. I just want to remind everybody, you know, to s- stay present, you know, stay in the moment, uh, have a purpose, have a direction, uh, just don't get it and, and have a plan, but just don't get attached to that plan. And, uh, and always remember that until next time, it's your journey, your ride, your life. So ride every stride. 